Everybody, welcome to another edition of Strangers in the Alps podcast. Hello! This time we have a special treat for you. Yes, yes, yes. We are here in the flesh together in the same room. We're not over Skype doing this anymore. I can hug you, Gabe. <laughs> I think my footsies at least are kind of Aww. a few feet away from each other. I can look into your eyes as I talk to you, my dude. Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> you yes. make it sound romantic. It's uh, so romantic. <laughs> It's uh, it's interesting because it is a different dynamic than sitting on the, you know, talking to the blank computer screen. Yeah. But I, I think we'll have a, a fun time doing this. Yeah, Henry and I, we've spent most of the evening sitting here watching uh, different YouTube videos and going down uh, conspiracy video rabbit holes and creepy video rabbit holes and weird security camera video rabbit holes. And I've, we must have been watching that stuff for... God, three hours or something. Yeah, I was going to say three hours of (laughs) brain-melting materials. Crazy (laughs) rabbit holes, man. There was witches flying on broomsticks. Brujas. Yeah, they were like in Latin America. Yeah, Yeah, man. There was a jellyfish-looking thing floating around the streets of Peru. (laughs) Who the hell knows, man? Um, Well, here's the thing like with the YouTube videos. um, it, It just seems like so hard to differentiate which ones are authentic because there's so much bullshit that people put out there to get viewers on their channels and right stuff like that so but i don't know did you see any that particularly stuck out that you thought looked authentic or seemed authentic to you maybe you know if you throw some out even if we're wrong about them you know there could be some uh strange of the alps fans that that you know uh, reach out to us on social media and tell us you know no this is bullshit don't believe that this this is you know cgi here yeah that's, that's been debunked already but. Um, there's a, a couple of those the the witch videos. Um, I don't think they were all from Latin America. They may have been though. I, that again, that's something I could be I wrong think, on. I think one of them, the main one that we were watching was from Peru. I think they were mentioning. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the one like where the kids were in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, and that one is pretty good. But the one, there was a couple before that where it was like flying around over houses and it was like the cops talking about like the real, like the real stereotypical witch that attacked them and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man. That's really interesting because it's, uh, there's a bit of psychology there on both sides because. Explain. Well, on one hand. You got the guys, you got these cops who were saying they were attacked by this witch, right? And you think, okay, dude, these guys are clearly full of shit, right? And, uh, but then they explain this witch, and you have to think that either these guys are just trying to get, like, maybe, maybe they're just trying to get, you know, their 15 minutes of fame, but... These guys have to, like, go to work and explain to their bosses and things after this happened that they got their asses whooped by an old hag in a hat, my dude. (laughs) Well, let's be fair. Like, the videos, they didn't show an actual woman. It just showed kind of a a figure or shape that was kind of floating. Right. You didn't see, like, a broom or anything like this. But but I will say you're absolutely right. Like, uh, 
these are people that have respectable jobs, and I'm sure they're yeah. respected in their community. I, I don't know how to compare the culture, you know, mm-hmm. if it's similar to in, in the U.S., where, you know, police, for, you know, the most part are either respected or hated. I don't know. Either, right. either way you look at it. But, uh, but it does take balls to, like, say that, you know, say you got your ass handed to you or you can't find somebody... Um, and and then have to go into work the next day and face everybody. So, For sure, yeah. Like, in a sense, it's, it does kind of rule out just attention, you know. Yeah, you would think for sure. And and actually, they were the ones who said it was a woman. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The two cops they said it was like a hunchback woman. And remember, it said it was like they were like the woman was wearing like a pointy hat or whatever. I do remember like, that. Yeah, but I, but the video that we saw, at least I didn't necessarily see that. But. Well, we were also like half paying attention to. So, <laughs> yeah, um, our brains had been thoroughly melted. I think by the time that came on, and we had watched a slew of these things, so I might be mixing them up with which ones you know were being seen and spoken about at the time. But, yeah. yeah, some of them just seem so like. I don't know, man. Like, like that jellyfish-looking thing, just like floating three feet off the ground. You know what I mean? That like, I think was clearly CGI. I don't know. It seemed like it, but then it did have like the security cam footage from the gas station that caught it too, and that gave it a little bit more kind of validity in my book. Yeah, all of these videos were pretty grainy and mm-hmm. you know pixelated. They weren't like super high def you know hollywood special effects 4k videos or anything like that well that's the thing that always gets me too man just being real and i'm always gonna want to believe you know what i mean i'm gonna be skeptical but there's a part of me that's gonna always want to believe but yeah anytime something crazy is caught on footage it's always some shitty camera, grainy, out of focus. People can't keep anything, you know, held together. And so you get these, like, little glimpses. Yeah. Nothing's really good about You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. And like you said, like, with the, the jellyfish-looking thing, you mean to tell me that not one person stepped up there and tried to touch that thing? Well, I mean, they were pretty far away from it, though. I mean, don't you think? I don't think they were that far. No, I mean, it, it looked like they were at least, you know, uh, 50 feet or something, I thought. Yeah, okay, I'll give you I'll give you 50 I feet mean, that's, for sure. That's still, a, if something's moving away from you, that's still a, a pretty big gap you gotta, if you're gonna run at something and try to touch it. But if you see something weird like that, do you really want to run at it? Are you gonna be, is the, yes. are you gonna be kind of reserved and hiding and wanting to stay alive so you don't know what the fuck that thing is or what it's gonna do to you? One of a few thing ha- things happen if you're the guy that runs up there and touches it, okay? Yeah. Either A, right, worst case scenario, Okay, we'll start with worst case scenario and we'll, we'll work to best case scenario because there's sure. only a few things that happen, right? Yeah. Worst case scenario is the thing turns on you and kills you on camera and the world for years to come talks about the idiot that actually touched that fucking thing, right? Yeah. So that's worst case scenario. And let's be honest, other than the death thing, it's not that bad. <laughs> the, second, the, the second thing that might happen is basically nothing. You spook whatever it is, and it kind of like takes off. And if that happens, you might get even more information about it, right? Like how it like reacts when it's scared, or you know, if it takes off real fast or shoots straight up in the air. You got some serious stuff, right? Yeah. Or third, best case scenario, you touch it, it does some crazy shit to you. Next thing you know, you can do some shit like lift a car. <laughs> 
So, so kind of this Peter Parker effect where you get bitten by a by a floating jellyfish, you get stung by it, and then you get powers. Listen, or I'm not... or you got the fourth scenario, which you didn't mention. <laughs> you got the floating jellyfish that stings you. Next thing you know, you're passed out from pain, and you have a whole Peruvian village pissing on you. <laughs> Because that's supposed to take the sting out of a jellyfish sting. Okay, Have that, you heard that? Okay, listen. Well, th- that that can take the place of the worst case scenario. Okay, <laughs> that actually sounds worse than dying. It does, to doesn't me. it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awful. But you started to, to elaborate on the whole superpower thing. What, what were you going to say? Well, here's the deal. I'm not saying that anybody wants to be jellyfish man, but it's better than not being a superhero, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings up an interesting topic. What would be some of the shittiest superhero powers mm. that you think uh, could form from these incidences? So it's interesting you ask that. I actually had a dream about this okay. sort of thing, right? Years ago. It was a very, very vivid dream. I remember it to this day. Some people have dreams about equality. <laughs> Other people have <laughs> dreams about what would my shitty superpower be? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Henry um, had a dream. Let's hear it. So, um, I actually had a dream years and years ago. Um, I, it was probably... I can't remember if it was right after the first X-Men movie had come out or the second X-Men movie, but it was somewhere around there. And I had and I had, um, I had seen it. And, uh, you know, I mean, you dream about things that you see during the day, whatever. But in my dream, I was a part of the X-Men. Like, I had a... I had an actual mutant power. That's awesome. Well, yeah, but my mutant power. And here's the thing: in the dream, my my in my mutant power, my mutant power seemed like really cool. But when I woke up, I was like, "The fuck!" My mutant power was I could tell time to the second without using a watch. <laughs> so you were very punctual. <laughs> Punctuality man. Yes. Which. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. And and like the scenario in my dream was that there was like a bomb that we were trying to find. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the bad guy in the dream, which wasn't like a particular X-Men villain, you know what I mean? It, it, kind of more of a diehard Bond villain-ish sort of thing. He had hidden a bomb in this skyscraper and we had to find it and we had like 20 minutes to find it. Um, so, and we knew when he started the timer in the dream, so I knew exactly how much time we had left to find the bomb, Yeah, which didn't really help that much at all, but it, I felt like it did in the dream. Well, did any of you know how to defuse the bomb? I mean, you can know the times, you know, all day well, long. Well, dude, we had like, you know, Wolverine and shit with us, dude. Like we were all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, once I woke up and kind of really analyze the situation i understood how shitty of a superpower that was yeah um and there's probably some very youngian things that you could get out of that about my thoughts and and things about myself from that well, i'm not but, gonna you know. psychoanalyze you we'll leave that to listeners <laughs> yeah listeners why don't you uh why don't you write into our social media and you can uh give us your your psychoanalyzation <laughs> of henry and his dream it'd be very entertaining we could go over them on the next episode so all right. What about you? Like, what's <laughs> like? What do you? What's on your shit list of superpowers? Um, being able to fly, but maybe only three feet off the ground. <laughs> That's it. That'd be awful, dude. That would be. Or maybe 
being halfway invisible. <laughs> like you're just like translucent. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you knock back your Photoshop opacity to 50%. I will say though, if you had both of those powers at the same time, Halloween would straight up be your shit. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it wouldn't seem so lame one time a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or that you could sweat on command. <laughs> I don't know. That that seems like a pretty useless power. Sweat on command? You could just become moist, balmy, all over. <laughs> <laughs> you have the power of balminess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yep. But, say, if you're in a desert, you know, and you need, uh, need a little moisture, I'm your guy. <laughs> well, anyway. You know it would be a great... Like everyday superpower, what? like if you had the superpower in the world that to make we people live in, shut the fuck up around you. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have that superpower sometimes. Just instantly, just snap your fingers and their mouths are like just glued shut. Oh my god, that would be a great power. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? No, what what would be a great power you were saying? Well, I'm just saying, okay, so like if there's no like super evil villain, right? Sure. And and like you just had like an like a power that was going to change your everyday life. Yeah. If you had a power that your body didn't produce waste, think about how much time in your life you would save. That's impossible. You ha- you're you're going to have to have waste. Or if it like well, no, first of all, we're talking about fucking superpowers, man. Don't tell me what's <laughs> possible or impossible. Okay? okay. But if your body didn't produce waste, if it could use every bit of what you consumed as energy okay um or you know uh whatever dude think about that man you never have to stop to go pee you never have to poop now would you you know evolve over the course of time like would your butthole disappear (laughs) 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 that'd be kind of scary (laughs) because what if your power got taken away one day No. You mean, um, you mean a, super villain, a super villain, like a Bond villain that's injected with <coughs> the serum? Oh bam. my god, man! The superpowers are frozen. Yeah, here's the thing: the butt would look really weird without a butthole. So even if I could use all the waste, if you need a visual example, just look at a Ken doll. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. You don't want that. No, I'd still want my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, when <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. How did we? <laughs> <laughs> I think we we found the uh, the quote <laughs> for social media. There it is. <laughs> I still want my butthole. Yeah. Oh boy, that's um. Yeah. Where do you? I don't. Yep. <laughs> oh, listen. Yeah. Hey, man. I saw Aquaman. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lee's an Aquaman. I saw Aquaman. Listen, I, uh, I I was telling you, man, and I'll tell you guys out there listening. I, um, I'm actually one of the very few guys who, um, as a kid, was an Aquaman fan. Um, he wasn't a very well respected character. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody just laughed about him talking to fishes and. Yeah, know. but like the crazy thing is, people who were like fans of his, like, no, he's actually really powerful. 
he's gone through some weird changes that I, I wasn't that I wasn't a fan of and recent changes that I haven't been fans of. But like man, mm-hmm. in like the mid nineties he went through this real mean looking period. That's kind of what they're fashioning the Jason Momoa Aquaman character off of. Oh, I had no idea. I stopped following DC comics for a while. Um, I mean, when I was really a young kid, I, I was all into Super Friends and mm-hmm. Batman and Superman and Aquaman from that. Sure, but uh, but I didn't realize that they had kind of revamped him in the nineties. Yeah, it was really cool. He, you know, he had like the the long hair and the beard. Like I said, I yeah. mean, now he was still blonde and everything, and even um, there was a period of time he had lost his arm. You know, without going too deep in the story, he lost. Kind of from the forearm down, sort of, or elbow down. I remember seeing that. He had, like, a trident or something. Uh, like a harpoon. A harpoon on his yeah, arm. Yeah, dude. Just yeah. sick. And I was like, okay, this is the Aquaman. That This is how, like, this is how Aquaman gets respect. But, it, you know, I just don't think it was enough to win that many people over. And so they yeah. kind of went back. I don't know, you know, why they didn't follow that further. But I'm glad that that's the look they went with, yeah. you know, for the movies with Jason Momoa. But... Like, but like I said, I I was one of the few kids that I really liked, and I was fascinated with being underwater. I loved to swim underwater. Um, I every chance that I could as a kid, I, I I liked to swim, and I would do like I was always the kid who was like, oh, I bet I could swim underwater farther than you. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I'd be going back and forth in pools or, you know, lakes or whatever, just swimming as far as I could underwater. Yeah, you're always trying to see how long you'd hold your breath for. Yeah, like dude. And yeah. I was good at it, man. I, yeah. I really was. And um, what was cool about it is when I was in, um, when I was a senior in high school, that kind of love for that sort of stuff and, like, the kind of playing the Aquaman character culminated um, and, um, I, I was able to, to go to the, the Caymans and do some snorkeling. Yeah. And, uh, I, we were able to kind of free dive these shipwrecks and stuff like that. Sure. And it was cool because, um, I could swim underwater for a little over two minutes when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. So I, I was one of the only guys, there was a couple of the teachers that we had that were just really in shape guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um. They uh, they were able to kind of get down there among the shipwreck and something like that. But I was one of the only students who was actually able to get down and like get in the shipwreck and something like that. So it was really cool. Anyway, that's kind of off topic, but all that to say, I was I was actually a pretty big Aquaman fan back in the day, um, and I was excited when I saw that you know they cast Jason Momoa. But when I saw the first trailer, man, I looked at my wife and I said, "Oh no, that looks fucking awful." Yeah, you weren't a fan of No, not at all. Um, even the first time we got to see Jason Momoa's Aquaman, and yeah. I think it was like Batman versus Superman, they showed that like clip of him like underwater. Yeah. It was like the weirdest looking thing, dude. I don't know. Um so I went into the movie really expecting it to be bad. Like I thought it was gonna be laughably bad. Yeah. And I actually enjoyed it. It was fun. I'm not saying it was the best movie of all time. Yeah. Um, was the tone? Was it meant to be fun, or was it? One yes, of just it is. Re- it's like it's meant to be funny, dude. There's yeah. a lot of humor in it. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's serious stuff for sure, you know. But yeah. let me ask you, like, when I saw, was it Justice League? Yeah, I think it was Justice League when they first had him in it. Um, he, like, I guess Ben Affleck as Batman or or Bruce Wayne. Um, he went up to this village and, you know seeked to find this this aquaman person and 
uh, you know, he was like this big guy drinking the, the Jack Daniels bottle and like threw the Jack Daniels bottle to the side and dove in the water and took off, you know, at the end of the scene. And it just, he just came across a little like too cool to me in that scene. Did, did that, that was it that same tone that in, in Aquaman or did they make no. him a little more likable in the sense of way more likable? And I, I think that that, I think that the justice league, honestly, yeah. is w- that movie is one of the reasons that I thought Aquaman was going to suck. Yeah. Um yeah, dude. Yeah, like that whole scene with uh with Bruce Wayne it was bad, dude. I don't know. Like and you want like you you try to look for ways to defend it like, "No, nah, man, it's cool, dude. He threw the bottle, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. he flipped his hair up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Flexing. No, dude, it was just bad and felt bad. Um, And it it felt like what they were doing was just trying to get respect for the Aquaman character by flashing Jason Momoa. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that was, I I know I talked about before, like, you're always a big fan of Jason Momoa. Yeah. And I always kind of said I can't see him in any role as an actor other than Jason Momoa playing that role. Sure. Playing that character. And and that's definitely how it came off in, in Justice League. So I'm actually I'm I'm really excited to check this out based on you know your take on it and, and yeah how I, to just have fun with the movie and enjoy it. Um, I, now I will say it's Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, undoubtedly. But since the first kind of taste of Aquaman has come out in the media and everything, we've gotten a little bit more of a glimpse of who Jason Momoa is. And there's a lot of goofiness there. You know what I mean? Yeah, very playful guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that comes through in the movie. And, um, you know, they never, I don't feel like they went too far with the tough guy thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what, you know, I, I'm always concerned about, you know, with Jason Momoa. Yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, I still think he's kind of an untested actor, even after this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think he'll ever win an, an Oscar, but I don't know necessarily, you know, because, I mean, other than, like, Baywatch, we mm-hmm. had Call Drogo, which is literally, like, the same character as Conan the Barbarian. Well, he did Conan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, we have uh, Declan Harp from Frontier, which is kind of the same character as those first two guys he just speaks english you know what i mean yeah um and and now we have aquaman you know what i mean so we haven't really we haven't seen how um how diverse the guy can be yeah and so um and i don't particularly think that we will ever see yeah i was about to say i mean look at uh arnold schwarzenegger look at the rock look at stallone like I mean, Stallone does have the Rocky uh, series, you know, yeah. to his name. He Love wrote Rocky, that and everything. Yeah. He played that well. But, I mean, he always kind of played the tough guy, too, you know? Yeah, always. So, I mean, these these people build their careers on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there really a need for them to be tested and to get out of it if they're making millions of dollars and do something that they like to do? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't yeah. I, I, No, I don't think so at all. And I, and I, But I think that there's a lot of really respected actors that really only play single characters they're very one-dimensional yeah and it doesn't mean that i don't like these actors 
for instance, I think Denzel Washington's a perfect example of that. Yeah. He always plays like the same kind of I love Denzel Washington movies. Yeah. But the man that you get in Safe House is yeah. the same guy who saved the little girl in Man on Fire. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'll watch him all day long and yeah. love him. But it just is what it is. We got a little something different with Training Day, but not all that different. Yeah, Training Day was really the only thing that I really paid attention to Denzel Washington in. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a person, I, I think he's a very respectable person. Everything yeah. I hear about him, I don't know him personally. But, sure. Uh, but from a professional standpoint, as far as his work... That's the only work that I really knew of and, and really watched or really connected with. And that was all blown up, just how great a job he did yeah. in Training Day. And maybe that is because, if by what you're saying, maybe that was a departure from his standard role. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, even uh, he got... Now, he didn't win the Oscar for it, but he did really well in Fences, yeah. for example. But, again, there was so much of that Denzel Washington character in that yeah. character fences, you know, I think like certain actors have that, a certain charisma and a certain way they carry themselves. And they're known for that. And if someone wants to bring that to their movie, why would they deviate from that? That's what right. they want in that, you know? Right. And I'm, yeah. listen, I'm totally okay with that, but, um, I just don't think when you're talking about actors like that, sure. Um, I don't think that they're on the same level talent wise as guys like, Daniel Day Lewis, for example, yeah, who completely disappears in his roles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, not that I don't love these kind of typecast guys because I do, but you know, yeah, it's just a, a certain aspect of of that profession, I guess. You know? Yeah, That's I mean, cool. it's very difficult to disappear into a role. Yeah. Well, you have some acting background, you know, in theater and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, yeah you connect with that and can speak to that. Yeah, 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 for sure, um, for sure. Um, but you know, uh, l- like I said, you either um, you either love it or you hate it. I think Johnny Depp is kind of the same way. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, Johnny Depp really has like two guys that he plays. You know. Yeah. You either get Jack Sparrow or you get like the melancholy, you know, uh, Sweeney Todd. You know what I mean? That's really. Yeah. I can't think of another. He can play the good oddball, though. I actually, I like Johnny Depp's uh, characters and acting and stuff. And, uh, I, you know, sewing up for what it is, maybe, again, maybe it's just my attraction to the weirdness in life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he plays, like, a good oddball that a lot of people, you know, maybe struggle with. I think he's got a comic timing and kind of a, a good sense of, of humor about what he's doing, but can still be serious about it. Yeah, I don't disagree with that yeah. in the slightest. Um uh, yeah, the the oddball is kind of the good way to to put what I'm saying. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, and to, to I mean to go along with uh, Johnny Depp, Helen Bottom Carter. Yeah, she always plays that a very similar character, and I love her, dude. If I see her in a movie, I almost know I'm going to enjoy the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, her and Johnny Depp, and I guess they work a lot with like Tim Burton. Um, yeah. And I guess, I guess there's kind of like little acting clicks and stuff that they kind of get the same, same people to, to work together. Yeah. I she's, know, she's married to Tim Burton, right? She was. I thought they got a divorce. But Did they? I don't know. This isn't like a Hollywood gossip thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did get a divorce, but I don't know. Did they get a divorce just so they get married again? Maybe. Maybe they're that much in love. <laughs> 
stupid. That'd be an extensive process, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking pointless. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say, with uh, people that use the same actors and stuff, I'm a big Rob Zombie fan. Um, not necessarily from his movie work. I do enjoy his movies. But, uh, like, I've just, ever since... Um, uh, Thunder Kiss and uh, Astro Creep 2000 and, you know, all that stuff. I've, I've sure. been a huge fan of his m- music, his art, his style. I've always loved horror. So for him to, like, mesh all those together, I think is really cool. But he uses a lot of the same actors. Um, names aren't necessarily popping in my head right now. But the one guy, he was in Halloween, uh, the actual original one. Um, he's an older gentleman now. I know his name. I know his face. I know his voice. It's just not, his name's not coming to mind. Yeah. But, uh, but Rob Zombie uses a lot of, of the same actors, but I don't know. I'll probably edit that out. It sounds like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. For whatever reason, man, I, I've i never gotten into Rob Zombie as a, as a director. And I don't mean that, like, I've seen his stuff yeah. and just, like, didn't like it. Bro, I, this is confession time on air right now i've never seen a rob zombie flick never i don't know dude like you're aware of the ones that he's made though right yes dude yeah. and they're all like up my alley yeah we should For, watch one we should yeah like i mean like house of a thousand corpses i've seen scenes of yeah i will i will say there's there's like a bit of a story behind house of a thousand corpses if you're gonna watch a movie i guess go ahead and watch it it's got kind of a cult following but it it, it I think it's maybe because it's his first movie and apparently the story is that it got kind of edited and re-edited and re-edited from, you know, the studio involvement and stuff that maybe it wasn't what he actually envisioned. Yeah. But, um, like, the last one that he did, uh, 31, I thought was pretty original and pretty cool. Everybody hails the Devil's Rejects as, like, this really cool The thing. Devil's Rejects, and that was the, the other one, yeah. It's the same characters from House of a Thousand Corpses, the Firefly family, from House of a Thousand Corpses that's in the Devil's Rejects. So it's the same characters as in that. But, um, and I guess, I thought I heard that they're gonna do another sequel to the Devil's Rejects. Oh, cool. Which I don't want to spoil anything for you. You know, I think you should probably watch it. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to. But, uh, but yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how that comes together. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, uh, with you liking horror and, you know, rock music and things like that, uh, I could see you digging his stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. I've, I've, I don't, I, I really can't even tell you why yeah. I haven't seen, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just have never seen it or, you know, for, for whatever reason I, yeah. I did, um, I will tell you like. Sometimes guys that, and maybe not the horror genre, I wouldn't put Quentin Quentin Tarantino in like the horror genre, no. but, um, it, you know, a lot of people expect me to be a, a Quentin Tarantino fan yeah. and, um, you're not, you're shaking your head. No, it's very hit and miss for me, man. Yeah. It's hit or miss for me too. I will, I will say I yeah. love the Kill Bill movies. I fucking hate those movies really i can't stand it dude i don't know why i just thought they were kind of crazy and out there and they were that yeah and and the visuals i really like the visuals and and stuff that went into it and the use of colors and some of the shots i i really just it, i found enjoyment from it but yeah and a lot I could of people see, do i could see where you're not thrilled with it just because from certain 
I don't know. There were there were times that that depending on my mood that I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But you know, mm-hmm. because of my, I think I've seen it and so many times. I've kind of have grown a fondness for certain scenes and the way certain things are presented in that movie. So sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I again that that's the Kill Bill series is another one that I. It's hard for me to put my finger on why I hate them so much, but <laughs> yeah. dude, I. I watched the first one and I wanted to leave the entire time. Like I, not in the, it wasn't a movie theater. It was in a, a friend of mine's house, but I, I just wanted it to stop the entire time. Really? Yeah. Was that the first one or the second the one? The first one. And, um, I started to watch the second one and realized it was the same as the first and I hated yeah. it. And that was just, mm. that was it. Now what? that being said, Django Unchained. Yeah. Is off. The Chain. <laughs> that was a good movie. I like that a lot. Yeah, it is. That movie is sick. Did you watch the Grindhouse double feature with Planet Terror and Death Proof? Was that the one with the chick with the machine gun leg? Yeah, that was the Robert Rodriguez. What what they did is uh, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, uh, like basically directed their own two movies and then sandwiched them together in this Grindhouse duo, and then that was shown in theaters. And during intermission. Rob Zombie was one of the guest directors, but they directed these little like uh, upcoming featurette trailers, mm-hmm. and they were shorts. And Rob Zombie did Werewolf Women of the SS, which is I thought really cool. And he cast Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. I think is what it was. It was it was crazy, man. Yeah, no, I'm not. No, that that's a set I've not seen before. I'll, I'll have to show it to you. You'll love it. But uh, but yeah, um, I actually really enjoyed Death Proof. I think you'd probably like Death Proof. I've not seen Death Proof. It's like, like a revenge flick. It's like a sure. 70s revenge flick. It's awesome. Rosario Dawson, Kurt Russell is in it. I know you like Kurt Russell. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Rosario Dawson too, yeah. actually. So that's, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, one movie that people don't believe that I've never seen, um, It's a, I think it's a Tarantino flick, um, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, you've yeah. never seen it? No. Holy shit, man! How did <laughs> yeah, you not see I don't that? know, dude. I don't know. Don't judge me so hard right now. <laughs> you would enjoy that. That's awesome. It's totally historical fiction, right? Like it's just a historical fiction revenge plot uh, against Hitler, and uh, you just have to watch it. I'm not going to spoil anything about it. Yeah. Again, <laughs> it's one of those movies I can't even tell you why I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, but I I know that I'll like it. Yeah, you will. And Brad Pitt is awesome in the movie. Yeah, you'd love Brad Pitt's character for sure. Yeah, did Quentin Tarantino do Desperado? That was Robert Rodriguez. Okay, Quentin Tarantino did a little cameo in it. Yeah, I think they've had a friendship for a while, and they've you know yeah probably worked on things together, uh, cameoed whatnot. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I dude, I um, I like Desperado. Yeah, I did too. The first one, the El Mariachi. It's a remake of El Mariachi, I believe. Yeah, but it's better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, that first scene with Antonio Banderas where he's like playing the the song and then yeah. like him and his band take out that dude. Yeah, that crap is tight, dude. I remember my dad ragging on that, you know, making fun of the movie because it was cheesy because he's like, oh, and he just goes back to playing guitar. It would never do that. It'd be all out of tune. Blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> Well, I'm not saying he's wrong, but it no, was tight, dude. It was tight. Aye, 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 aye. These movies aye. are escapism. You got to just kind of, yeah. you know, lift your 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 grounding to reality and just take it for what it is and yes. find enjoyment in it. You know, I think yes. too many people are trying to 
oh, that's not real, that can't happen, blah, 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 blah. We talked about that when we mentioned the Princess Bride and, like, the practical effects or yeah. the special effects and the the pads and stuff, being able to see the landing pads from yeah. the sword fights and flips and stuff. But Yeah, if you're just, if you're looking for that stuff, you're going to miss the magic, man. Yeah. That's just the it's, thing. Dude. You miss the emotion of the movie. And I, I did, I, I hate that so much, but, yeah, you know, what are, what are you going to do? It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the, the, the new generation, man, right? We always end up talking about movies and stuff on here. Yeah. That's, that's a huge part of our lives, I guess. Yeah, I guess. That's crazy. We've been so inundated with, uh, with just media growing up, you know, yeah. from the 80s to now. It's just been a progressive technological advancement one after another, like super fast. And it's just been so many forms of media. Uh, I mean, nowadays I think kids are born into like this this mass market where there's all these different pools of sure. entertainment. But I think it was really fascinating for our generation. You know, I'm, I'm 36 and and was born in 82, so you know I, I saw like the dawn of the internet era when I was like in high school, and you know being able to start to use that for book reports, and then start yeah. to see the media spread through there, and then you know then we had like vhs and laserdisc and dvds and yeah and you know then we're talking about online videos and then blu-rays and we've seen like all of this stuff open up from from um even podcasts but uh but um the ipods and digital music and all that stuff so it was really interesting to get to go through that i think that's why it impacts us so much because it's not just a product that's out there yeah it's something that we actually went through the experience of it so it, it might actually have a lot of value to us more so maybe than this generation because interesting you know what i mean because it's just yeah. so diluted now there's so much out there that you can get whatever you want but we actually like discovered it all yeah you know? so wow that's a really it's a really deep take on it man <laughs> well i mean i guess so i just I, I think when you have to go through things and learn about things and you experience things by having to go without sometimes and watch the growth of things you you hold more value to something it's like when you work your ass off for a year save up for a guitar you really want or, or something sure. like that when you get it it has a lot more value yeah then if, if you're just like dropped into a room full of guitars and like pick whichever one you want they're all you know you can have them all for this subscription price which is like what everything is now yeah you know? yeah no you I don't agree, really value man. it yeah that's the thing dude and, and i think that's something that that generations are are missing like like the the new and younger generations coming up are, are really missing that that idea that the harder you work for something the more you're going to appreciate it the more it's going to mean to you you know what i mean yeah. and, and there's certain there's certain loopholes around that you know what i mean there's yeah. there's sentimental gifts from you know people that maybe loved ones you don't have anymore and those things mean sure. a lot to you you know but but those things that you have that you really put the work in for that that you sweat for yeah. that you bled for those are always going to mean more to you than something that's just given to you exactly it will but what's interesting about it is they say that today people work more hours than they did mm -hmm. you know statistically we work longer work hours we work into the weekends it's because we're always connected we've enslaved ourselves to the style of life with always being connected and have a device that's always with us and work can contact us whenever right but we're we're working hard, which is one part of what you're saying, but are we valuing things as much? I don't know. But mm. it's, it's weird that there's that dichotomy of that where you're like, you're saying that you feel like maybe we're losing that, that value of working towards something and knowing the value of it, but yet we're still working harder, but we're not as valuing things as much. That's really interesting. Yeah, I don't... Um, 
I don't know the answer to that. I guess, like, for me, like, my view on that is just so tunneled in my yeah. own life. You know what I mean? And, sure. Um, you know, I certainly have worked hard for what I have, and my wife is, yeah. has worked hard, you know, and we've worked hard of as course. a team, you know. Yeah. And, um, and so, man, like, all the time I find myself looking at my life, you know, I... I'm usually the last to go to bed in my household and I'll go check on my kids and, you know, while they're sleeping sure. and um, just go in on them and kiss my daughter's forehead and, you know, while she's sleeping and go check on my son. And um, almost every night, man, I stand there and I just think like, dude, like uh, my life is awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I know that a lot of that is, because I've worked hard, because my wife has worked hard. Some of it's just plain stupid luck, man. Yeah. I was born in America, dude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and as much as we can get better as a country, we're still like the best shit that's out there right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in my opinion. So I don't know. I guess from my perspective, I'm I, I constantly look at that, and I constantly look at the things I have, and 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 hold them close because because of the work that's gone in and the sacrifice that's gone in for it. Yeah. And, and maybe you're right. And maybe like, maybe I'm just look. you know, like I said, I'm just looking at a tunnel and maybe a lot of people don't, you know what I mean? We're working hard and, and yeah. Well, I think, valuing them. I mean, I'm lucky as well. I mean, I was having kind of that a similar conversation. I mean, that's your, your own personal reflection. Yeah. But I was having a similar conversation with my wife about that. Just how, I'm really thankful that she's in my life and that we're the team that we are and this is exactly what I want in life. And I was just talking about like how easy it'd be to be ships passing in the night for us to never have met. And I mean, cause we, we had a class together all semester and we didn't really talk that much in class. And then after class, we ended, ended up after the semester was over, we ended up Facebooking each other, then building our friendship from there and then started going out on dates and stuff. And but it'd be so easy if one of us just like either a didn't check our Facebook or yeah. you know what I mean yeah or or didn't respond to the messages or just you know didn't even send a friend request or something. But uh, we we definitely have a really strong connection with each other, and if we hadn't have, have followed up with that, you know, my life would be totally different right now. But so different. Man. This is exactly the life that I want, and you know, her and Tristan and the family that I have here just. It's, it's what I want in my life and it was just touching to kind of think about that and you know just just think of how how many people miss out on those opportunities too just how yeah. lucky we actually are and uh, and just how fragile sometimes things can be you know mm-hmm. like you know a, a decision here a decision there that can screw up a relationship you know and luckily we made the right decisions all the way through that leads us to this moment together, you know, that we were having that conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just a neat little, little path to think about all the different twists and turns that could have taken. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree, man. Life is a, yeah. Life is a funny thing, man. Yeah. But going back to kind of like what I was saying, um, about working the long hours and then maybe not valuing things as much, uh, I kind of have this little theory that, like, this is just my own head. I'm probably going to speak about it and think through it and contradict myself because that's I'm okay. just thinking out loud. But yeah, that's that's all right. I've kind of always thought that, like, there's so much consumerism right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything you look at is a, a subscription base. It's meant to fill a monthly quota of dollars in a company, you know, and it's as, as, 
strong, firm way for them to ensure that we're going to have X amount of dollars this quarter, X amount of dollars this quarter, so you have this many subscribers. Sure. You know, instead of hoping people buy products and trying to predict that, they can predict this flat fee that basically people are, are doing. And because of that, I think there's so many different media pools. Now, this is different than physical, tangible things. Right. You know, like a guitar or a record or a, I don't know, a tin lunchbox or something that people collect, you know. Sure. Things. But, you know, this is just for entertainment, which has become such an escapism route for people. I mean, ever since television media and radio media was invented mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's really just a fantastical way for people to kind of just escape their everyday life so i think it's in a way a necessity but there's just so much of it now where i yeah. think before you had a certain handful of movies that came out a certain handful of albums that the record pro- companies would produce um a certain handful of, of discs because they were expensive that you could buy, or I should say VHS tapes or, or whatever, DVDs, what, whatever the format was. Sure. But but now it's gotten so cheap and so affordable and so oversaturated that even myself, who's always been a, an entertainment buff, music, movies, animation, all types of stuff, I have a hard time filtering out what the shit is that I actually want to watch or yeah. what I want to listen to because there's so much. And I find myself, too, if I'm not 100% into something right off the bat like that, then I'll drift into something else. I'll turn it off, spend a 30, another 30 minutes looking through Netflix. Yeah. Which is kind of the equivalent of looking through like the, the $5 DVD bin at Walmart. Sure, that, yeah. that everything's just kind of dumped into. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it's, it's, it's just so much kind of consumerism based. Like there's, you're just being, being thrown all these different products in your face all the time. Right. And then being connected on the phone and having all the advertisements everywhere that, uh, I I kind of think that like there's gonna be the pendulum is gonna swing the other way, and I think that and it's kind of say vinyl for example, that people are getting really getting heavy back into vinyl. I have a vinyl collection myself. Yeah, but just to have something that's singular, that's tangible, that's yours, it's not based on other companies negotiating the licensing for, mm. uh, you know, things like that. No matter what happens, you're gonna have it. I think there's gonna be uh I don't know maybe in the next. 10, 15, 20 years, it's kind of going to swing back the other way. And we're still going to have all these saturated media markets, but I think there's going to be a lot more value on something that is tangible again. Because I think people are going to get get tired of having like so much hollowness. Mm. You know what I mean? To me, like a lot of that stuff that you consume from a digital format rings hollow versus something that you actually have and that's yours and that you can put in your hands and feel interesting you know what i mean yeah i kind of want you to keep going down that road though so like what makes it hollow versus what you have like what do you what do you mean by that the fact that say 20 years ago 15 years ago i could go spend 20 bucks on a particular album and that was the 20 bucks i had to spend on on an album so i would buy the album and i'd love the shit out of it and i'd play it again and again and again and again and again but now you spend your 20 bucks on a subscription service where you have literally millions of albums at your fingertips. Mm. So you'll listen to this one and then you'll listen to this one and then you'll listen to that one. And sure. I'm sure. I mean, I've found things that I really love and connect being, you know, in a digital market like that. But to me, there's a hollowness to it because it's not something that, I mean, you hit a button and play it and enjoy it when it's there. But then when it's not there, it's gone 
it's it's in the cloud somewhere. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. you're not seeing it. You're not seeing it on your shelf when you walk in every day. Sure. You're not seeing it on your record player. You're not seeing this jewel case and reading the notes to it. Right. Things like that. So to me, there's a realism. There, there. It's 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 enticing other senses mm-hmm. that your body has. That you know, sight, smell, sound, feel. Yeah. Where if you're associating the click of a button of a plastic mouse button to an emotion that you're feeling on a song, sure you're getting the enjoyment out of it. I'm not downplaying how much you may like something, mm-hmm. but I'm downplaying how much that might really mean to you at the end of the day, because it's not being reinforced in all these different ways. Sure. From the rest of your senses. Do you think immediate access plays into that? I wouldn't say immediate access. Well, to an extent, because it is easier to get that stuff. But I think the saturation mm-hmm. and having the stuff marketed and thrown to you all the time. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a point where you're just sick of it in your life. You're sick of dodging all these advertisements all the time and having, oh, listen to this, watch this, play this, mm-hmm. you know, send this money for this, subscribe to this. That you're just gonna be like, fuck, I just want to buy my record, sit down and enjoy it. And zone the fuck out. Sure. And not have to stay actively dodging all this shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you think in some ways that that you romanticize kind of like the uh, the vintage side of things? Do you, do you think you romanticize kind of our nostalgia about how like media used to be for us? Do you think it was really that much better? I'm not saying it's better. And it might be it might come across that way, but I don't think it's better. I think media and technologies and stuff today obviously definitely is better than it used to be. Quality speaking. Quality speaking. Yeah. But I think it meant more to you to have to go through what you went through to go to the record store or at the time cassettes or whatever it was, dig through piles of cassettes, find the one you want, buy it have to wait till you get through the mall and finish shopping or whatever then get into your car then open it there's all this anticipation that's built up and along the way you have all the experiences of being in like a music shop of opening the new package where you don't have that all you have is the plastic feel and the click of a mouse and Mm. then you have it you know what i mean yeah yeah, no, I do, man. I I can remember, um, dude. I remember going to Atlantic Sounds. Yeah, you know, on Beachside. Yeah, uh, just digging through albums. Yeah, like never knowing what there's gonna you know gonna be, and even if you didn't know what you were looking for, yeah, there were people there that you could talk to. Is it a and social get ideas thing? From yeah, man. Like I remember going to Tower Records and stuff, or Virgin Records down at uh, Downtown Disney mm-hmm. when they had that giant store down there, and it was a thing to do. It wasn't just like yeah, it, it it wasn't just let's go shopping. It was like hey, let's let's go out. We'll go catch dinner, walk around Downtown Disney. We'll spend some time in Virgin, listen to some cool music, find some cool shit. Yeah. And now you can't do that. You know, I mean, you do yeah. it on Spotify. You do it at home or, yeah, or whatever. You're right. It's different, man. But it's so any but you pay your 10 bucks and you have all this there so how much are you really valuing it like mm-hmm. i said you'll find things you like but how many how many hours out of your day and and how much effort and and how much did you exert your body to go places and dig through things and find it and then find something that was meaningful to you and enjoy sure. it 
Yeah, and there's definitely, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, and there's a whole experience that you miss there. That's the thing, man, I, and it sounds so cliche, dude, when, when you talk about media, and I, dude, even though I'm bad at it, and yeah. you know I'm bad at it, man, I, I appreciate technology, I, I, I love technology, yeah. I, I don't think that we should stop innovating, I think, Not that, at you all. know what I mean, like, I love technology, and I make my living off of yeah, stuff like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, for know? sure, yeah. that's one place where you and I, like, really differ, you know what I mean, yeah. like, like, I'm just not very good with the, the technology stuff, I'm not good at keeping up with it, I'm not good at understanding how it works, you know what I mean, like, yeah. um, but, again, I, I like it and appreciate it and think that again, we should keep innovating and leave me in the stone age, man, for sure, dude, <laughs> leave me out in the woods. I'm going to be all right. Dude. Yeah. I'm going to catch a rabbit. I'm going to make some soup. You know what I mean? Like sure. y'all keep pushing the human race forward. You know, that being said, there's a sacrifice that is clearly coming with it. Yeah, there's an opportunity cost. It's what what of your life are you paying for for this reward? Right, but I mean like there's a there's a human cost. Yeah. To all this technology that I don't know if it's worth. It's almost like we're selling our soul, man. Like like you said, something as simple as music having been this big social kind of thing before like where you had to go out and maybe social is not the the word but you had to go out you had to interact you mm-hmm. you had to be a part of the world yeah um in order to to enjoy it that was part of the experience right um you you know we went to shows and watched our favorite bands we went to you know record stores and music stores and um and people don't do that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yes, people still go to live shows, but you could probably watch it streaming now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, um, and I, I like that. I mean, I have access to things I wouldn't have had access before. I don't want to sound like I'm totally downing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you feel the same way, too. Yeah, for sure. But it's different. Yeah, but it feels like as innovation continues, we're... Con- continually stripping the social side like the face-to-face social side of humanity and i think the issue with that is is that it's that social side that got us here in the first place right yeah like when we and we were kind of talking about some of the stuff you know earlier (coughs) when humans um First, uh, well, first of all, even in the hunter-gatherer times, right? Like, we survived in small social groups, right? And then as we discovered agriculture and farming, we came together as societies and civilizations, right? And if it wasn't for that, and if it wasn't for those societies and, um, and what that meant and what farming meant we had the time to do now you know what i mean the idea of storing food up now and now we don't have to just worry about when we're going to eat next and that gave us time for you know poetry and and art and uh, and philosophy and abstract thinking like that social part of who we are as as creatures is how we've gotten where we are and in this very strange way now 
kind of the pinnacle of where we are now as an evolved species coming from this same place where, you know, coming from this place of just figuring out farming, you know what I mean? This technology is kind of like a step at a time chipping away at our ability to be these social creatures. Yeah. And that's a weird thing, and I don't know, as much as I love the innovation, I love the technology, I don't know if it's worth it. And I think these are questions that we should be asking. Yeah. It's interesting that your point of view, because... Not that I disagree with you, because I, I don't really, but uh, I would throw out that the social aspect is evolving to this, again, I would use the word hollow to describe it, uh, the social media. You know, look at, we're talking about music as an example, Spotify is built to be like a social platform, to share music with each other, things like that. Sure. And while it does that, you don't, you have a human interaction, but it's a human digital interaction. Yeah. And... The reason I say it's hollow is because you can cater your, your bubble and your incoming information to you so much to please you mm-hmm. and to fit your world that you're not going out into the world and mixing in a world that may conflict with your own. Right. And, in so, and, and within that, you're not learning to compromise with an outside world that may be different from your own. Right. And I think the Facebook phenomena where everybody's news feed is catered to their information and what supports their thoughts and their right. opinions and things, it's becoming a very isolated bubble. And sure, people that share the similar isolated bubbles can band together because they're going to be seeing each other's messages and stuff. But I think you do lose the interaction of having some adverse thoughts coming towards you and some adverse conversations and learning how to navigate those in a very human sense and way with somebody else. Right. And it'll be interesting to see the way how that plays out, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, it's hollow because you're not, there's no effort from, from you in that sense to become bigger than what you are in that moment that you're saying, no, I don't want to listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Well, we know that those social interactions, like, we know that even we as creatures understand that they're hollow. I'm going to use your terminology yeah. because if they weren't, then the times like this where we get to be face to face wouldn't be so special because, yeah. well, we talk all the time over, over media. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We do this all the time over Skype. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we know, like we understand that these times that we get to share together in the same room, um, are special yeah and, and it's different you know what i mean it feels and, different um, yeah, it definitely totally feels different, different dynamic you know in our conversation this time around yeah for sure and and if it wasn't different i we wouldn't make the four hour trip yeah to come down and, and spend time you know what i mean like for it sure. just uh we know that it's different what's the cost of that difference yeah. i don't think we know yeah and i don't I don't think anybody's really trying to answer that. No, whatever I was trying to do right now is to make money, keep social media going and, and make money off of data mining because data mining yeah. is, is the modern day gold rush, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, like you said, to kind of caveat off of some of the things that you said with everything being catered towards you and then not having to be in these uncomfortable situations, dude, the facts are 
when we look at these younger generations that have been brought up with all this, the facts are that like mental illness is running rampant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the suicide rate among at least, uh, at least, uh, I think it's, uh, white people and, um, uh, I want to say it's Asian Americans, excuse me, is like exponentially higher than it's been in years. I haven't seen those, those stats. So, I don't really know what to say about them, but I think it's yeah. interesting that those two are some of the biggest technology users. Right. So and that, that? and that's kind of what How I was, that's that? kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, I mean, they've gone through the roof, man. And it's, it's, um, and you know, I'm not saying clearly, uh, correlation is not necessarily causation. Yeah. But whenever you have big correlations, you need to start asking questions about causation. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, and nobody's doing that. Because um, who would we be, man? You know what I mean? Who would we be as people if we grew up now? Yeah. Would we be the same people? I don't know. It's hard I, I would, to say. I'd like to hope so. <laughs> I mean, I, but, uh, certainly, yeah. yeah. Like, listen, I'd like to hope so too, but... Would we be as resilient? No one can answer that for sure. Certainly yeah. not. Yeah. No, I, I I don't disagree. But I, I do think that we're seeing this younger generation, like you said, who've grown up with everything being catered to their liking. And, and like you said, that consumerism being thrown at them and, uh, you know, all their social interactions being controlled in some way shape or form really you know what yeah, i mean manipulated I think manipulated is, a good, is yeah. a good word yeah because it's all done through a media outlet when when these kids end up running into adversity they don't know how to handle it yeah you know, and I know that's you know that there's certainly are people at least talking about that. But yeah. the problem is, is that when you start talking about this, everybody wants to feel cool, and then they start talking about millennials and snowflakes and oh, these fucking millennials, <laughs> fucking snowflakes, it's, dude. Like, or we can shut the fuck up for a second and really talk about the fact that we have an issue. You well, know what I'm saying? Here's the thing: it's really easy when when you're sitting at home and you want to comment on things you know hop on someone's wall that, that you see or, or a post that you see that you disagree with whether politically or ethically or socially whatever right and play the tough guy and call people names and really all that's doing is just diverting attention right and blaming something and and it, it's frustration manifesting itself in a negative way right instead of dealing with the actual problem for sure you know what i mean absolutely it, it it's kind of i don't want to say scapegoat it's not the right word but it just it becomes this overwhelming line in the sand of like, well, this is how I feel and blah, blah, blah. And again, I think that line in the sand is kind of created by people uh, custom picking and cherry picking things that, that fit their thoughts and agendas or things that they've been yeah. manipulated to feel or, or their whatever it is, you know. Absolutely. Instead of just kind of opening up a little bit. Because I'll tell you what, it's a lot harder to sit with someone face to face who's had a completely different lifestyle than you and see the pain in their eyes and the frustration in their eyes, no matter what side of the aisle they're on. Yeah. And and have to have walked a mile in their shoes and then to sit there and face to face, tell them that they're wrong. Yeah. And that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. 
yeah. than it is. It's a lot harder to do that than it is to sit behind your safety of your keyboard and sit there and blast somebody for having a different political view or an ethical view of something. Just be the best person you can and, and, and just remember that the person next to you is probably trying to do that too. It's so fucking inspiring, man. We're together, you guys. <laughs> but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Hey, uh...